ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Happy Monday morning. Uh, Oscar season is now over. Uh, the Oscars just ended about 30 minutes ago, and I'm going to tell you about it. But before we jump into the show and the films uh, involved in that, uh, I'd like to introduce a very special guest to this show. She's sitting over here flinching. She doesn't want me to say her name. Uh, and that is my beautiful wife, Sarah. Hello. <laughs> Sarah, we, Matt and I recorded an episode with Sarah a very long time ago when this podcast was started. And the audio was completely lost. We lost Matt's half of the audio. And so the episode <laughs> never got posted. So Sarah has never been featured on here. So No, nah, he doesn't. He didn't care about me. Welcome, I'm just kidding. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. I love you too. Okay, so the 93rd annual Oscars were um, this past night, Sunday night, April 25th, year of our Lord, 2021. And Sarah and I went through the trouble over the past several months to watch all of the Best Picture nominated films. Some of them were a little forced, others not so much. Yes, but that's kind of part of it. Like, that's part of the whole best picture thing is that they're not blockbusters. They're not necessarily popular films, but it's something that you kind of have to go out of your way to watch. And I found that kind of enjoyable. True art forms. Yeah, it is a true art form. So, um, there were seven films nominated for best picture. Um, and I think Sarah and I can just maybe run through all of them, kind of give our short brief opinions on them. And, you know, which one of these did we see end up seeing first? The first, okay, so let's just jump into it that way. That'll work. Uh, the first of those that we ended up seeing was Sound Metal. of Metal. Yeah. Yes, we watched that. That was like the third movie we watched all year long. Okay. That we saw it in January. Um, that this one was, genuinely surprised me for how good it was. Yeah, it was very, very good. Um, that was one that we saw before nominations were even announced. So yeah. we had seen that one prior to yeah. nominations. Uh, that was... And we both really liked it even before it was nominated. Yeah, I think that might be the most rewatchable of them for me. I think that's the one that I want to rewatch first. I know you are. I knew it wasn't your favorite, but we'll get we'll get there. Um, so that's The Sound of Metal. Um, next we saw Judas and the Black Messiah, which we saw for Valentine's Day because we desperately wanted to go see a movie in a theater. Um, what'd you think about that one? It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, but I walked out of the theater feeling like it was a really good movie. What'd you think it was going to be? Um, I thought it would be overwhelmingly political, but it wasn't. It just kind of told, it seemed to me like it told the true story of what happened. Yeah. And it was unearthing something that a lot of people didn't even know about. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Um, for that movie, Daniel Kaluuya won Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Uh, you think he deserved that? Oh, yeah, 100%. I didn't even know the man was English until he got up and was speaking in his native... What is the right accent? word? Accent? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> native accent, I guess. I don't know. But I didn't even know he was English until I heard him speak at the Oscars. And the man put on a great performance and sounded exactly like who he was supposed to be, Fred, Fred Hampton. Hampton. So I think he really nailed it. Do you think Lakeith Stanfield 
maybe should have won the Oscar? Or do you think it really belonged to Daniel Kaluuya? I think it really belonged to Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Lakuya, you know. Daniel Lakuya. casual. (laughs) Well, it's because you said Lakeith Stanfield, so I had Lakeith in my mind. Yeah. But I think either of them could have won it. I'm not upset that he won it. Oh, yeah, it was... Fantastic. Even though I really wanted Steven Yeun to win because I just oh, thought... No, that was, was actor in a supporting role. That's a different, yeah, that's yeah, a different right. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Um, I think the next one, uh, as far as in order that we saw, uh, might have been Mank. I think it was Mank. What do you think about that one? Mm, I liked the... What is the right word? The cinematography? Yeah. I liked how it was shot. I thought it was like kind of historic. Like taking you back to a time where that was like how every movie was shot. But I didn't really, I guess I just wasn't interested in the biopic necessarily. Sure. Um, I wasn't completely sold. Henry Mankiewicz, if for those of you that are listening that don't know this, he wrote Citizen Kane. And so it's about, the movie's about Henry Mankiewicz writing the screenplay to Citizen Kane for Orson Welles, who went on to win Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay. Um, it just didn't draw me in like I thought it was going to. Yeah. Uh, the cinematography was really great. Yeah. Being shot on an old camera on in black the costumes, and white films. Like, I'm glad it did win for that. Yeah. Like, it won uh, costumes and didn't it win... It won something else, too. Like, I can't Production remember. design. Yeah. Um, and also won Best Cinematography. Like, it was really, it was good. I don't think um, either the performances by Amanda Seyfried or Gary Oldman were necessarily the most fantastic performances mm-hmm. that we saw throughout these movies, but uh, really enjoyable. I really yeah. liked it. Um, I think what came after that was Promising Young Woman. What were your thoughts on that film, Sarah? I think it only got nominated because of, it was it was purely... What Subject the movie matter. was, yeah, it was purely what the movie was about, and I mean, I am all for what they were trying to, you know, exemplify to the public, I guess. But I just didn't think it was necessarily an Oscar-worthy movie. Yeah, respect women. Yeah. Um, I'm a little surprised. I was all for the message, but just None didn't the- think it was like an art-worthy, mind-blowing movie, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think any of the characters were sympathetic. Like, I don't think any of them were very relatable. Like, no. They're all a bunch of really rich white people that went to medical school together, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, that's fine. You can tell that story, but there's really no level of which that I can connect to these characters and sympathize with them. Yeah, and just the ending was just kind of the same way, do Like, the ending was like the extreme like it just it didn't seem real i don't know but i mean the whole point of the movie was to pinpoint that you know men need to respect women and they never ask for abuse that's like ridiculous so i think the movie got the point across i just didn't think it was an oscar worthy movie i think you could make the same you could make a movie with the same message but you could do it better yeah, I think so too. So I think the writing wasn't that good either. Like I thought the writing was a little I guess I almost want to say it was kind of immature 
for like to be an Oscar movie. Sure. I don't know. That's what I thought. Yeah. It I wasn't mean, like thought provoking. Yeah. And like life altering. I think the only lingering thoughts I had about it was how much I disliked it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like the only reason I kept thinking about it was I was like, man, I really didn't like that at all. Well, what did you not like about it? You keep asking me. No, I mean, I think we we agree pretty well. Um, like like I said, I think the real problem was that you were writing a story about characters that we can't sympathize with or even care about all that much. So, you know, our main character is kind of driven by the fact that her best friend... Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, spoiler alert. You don't want to watch this movie anyways, so whatever. But, you know, the main character's best friend was sexually abused, and so she's going on this... No, so this character's like, you know, going on this rampage. Not maybe rampage, but, you know, she's taking a lot of action, maybe not in the most ethically sound way, but taking a lot of action against uh, sexual abuse and the people that criticize it. But we never see, we never even get a picture of the best friend. And so, like, that's hard for us to connect to our main character because we don't even really get to see the motivation that drives yeah. the character. And I don't, I, this is another really stupid picky thing. I didn't like the set design at all. Everything was, like, super ritzy and very rich. It's like, I don't... Yeah. People don't live in those kind of places. Like, it's not... It's not real or relatable. And not all movies have to be real or relatable, Mm -hmm. but if you're trying to make a change in people's lives, you gotta make it somewhat down to earth. Yeah. It just... It didn't... Like, if you look at all the movies that were nominated, you could just plainly tell that it was kind of the outcast of the group. Yeah, really the one... Bringing up the rear. Um, so, again, in chronological order as to which we saw them, uh, Minari is the next movie that we saw. Uh, what, did, what, are we, what were your thoughts about Minari? Oh, my word. That movie made me cry like a baby. It just it just evoked so, emo- so many emotions. And, like, there was a lot of elements to it that, like, um, being... Immigrants in a new country, much less being immigrants in an isolated rural part of America, plus um, just economically isolated too, Um, and just the hardship in that, the hardship of being immigrants, the hardship of um, illness that can, it, it was stretching the family apart the whole movie in so many different ways, and at the end of the movie you just kind of burst with so much emotion because there are so many layers to it. And I don't know. I thought it was a masterpiece. Yeah. It's really a slow burn. Yeah, it really is. Like it doesn't, it's never once like really feels like a lot of tension, but it kind of slowly adds and builds to the very end. You get this kind of climactic scene. Almost like imploding. Brings it all together. Um, This is the first of those movies that I cried at. Yeah, we both um, were sitting there just crying. It it was really. We actually got to see that one in a theater. It was in a theater. In, yeah. In like a in a cinema. Yeah, cinema that only shows artsy films. Only so. show. It was only showing like Oscar nomination nominations. Yeah, they were yeah. they were really highbrow, but. That so is appreciate that because we probably wouldn't have been able to see it if it wasn't for that. Yeah. No, I loved that movie a lot. Um, it reminded me a lot of my childhood. Because the story's about a Korean family that moves from California to, like, 
Rogers, Arkansas, just mm-hmm. kind of like rural. And so being from Missouri myself and just like the geography of it reminded me a lot of home for me. And then the growing up on a farm part, all these things just reminded me of my family. And so I don't really know much about. But then imagine like not even looking the same. Yeah, no, it's a very different thing. As other people around you. Yeah, the race, I mean, there's not, they don't really encounter racism in the story. But, eh, okay. Yeah, they did. (laughs) Well, either way, it wasn't all that bad, but I just didn't. You know, that's that's a very real part of growing up where we did. There was uh, very little racial diversity where I come from. And I, I just think it's a really beautiful movie. Um, the grandmother in the story, uh, that actress, ended up winning Best Actress in a Supporting Role. And she's just the cutest old lady. She gave a really, like, her speech was really funny because it seemed like she didn't prepare at all for it. Mm-hmm. Just got up there and started talking. Which is totally fine. It made it very fun to watch. Um, she didn't walk up the stairs. She just kind of marched straight up uh-huh. on the podium, which was really funny. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and, and she flirted with Brad Pitt, who uh-huh. announced her. Um, I mean, really just a really sweet woman. Yeah. I mean, adorable. Entirely. I mean, she was fantastic in the movie. Um, Steven Yen, like you said, uh-huh. nominated for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Um, do you think, was that your pick? For best actor in a leading role, you think he should have won? No, I think Anthony Hopkins was absolutely phenomenal in the the father. I was not upset with him winning at all. I just had like my select few that I would I would be okay with winning. Like Anthony Hopkins was definitely one of them. Doesn't that? And Stephen Yoon was definitely one of them. Doesn't that go back to your days of watching The Walking Dead? Yeah. He was my favorite character on The Walking Dead, and when he was killed off, I immediately stopped watching because I I couldn't, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't handle him being gone. You know, that's the only episode of the show that I've ever seen is the episode where he dies. Yep. It was horrible. I hated it. So I was like, done with that. On to new and new, better and brighter things. Newer and better and brighter things. (laughs) But seriously, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Walking Dead is not a bright show, so I'm glad I. I'm glad I'm not watching anymore. Huh, it's thought. nice to be. It's nice not to be hooked to a TV show because once not, you're once you're hooked, it's like hard to not watch. You're not hooked to Seinfeld. It's easy not to be hooked to Seinfeld <laughs> because it's not like a following story. Yeah. One one neat little fun fact about the Oscars. It's not nearly as deep and emotionally connected to Seinfeld. It's just like a. Hey, uh, I just watched a horror movie. Can we watch some Seinfeld to maybe not have a nightmare? Yeah. Like what we used to do with Spongebob. We would watch a horror movie. Me and Jimmy were like, let's turn on some Spongebob so we don't have nightmares. <laughs> That's what Seinfeld is to me in my adult life now. <laughs> one neat fun fact about Seinfeld and the Oscars. One of the presenters was a deaf woman. Um, I think a lot of that had to do with Sound of Metal. Yeah, Sound of Metal. That. So there, you could see during the, the show that there were present like people doing sign language at nearly every table it was really kind of neat yeah but one of the presenters was deaf and had an interpreter reading uh, interpreting for her and sarah looks at me and goes is that the deaf line judge from seinfeld and it was it was was. um and she was actually deaf like you could tell like in seinfeld she was you could tell yeah so it's the episode called the lip reader we just watched it mm -hmm. like 
like a couple nights ago. Yeah, even... so it's pretty fresh. That was really funny. Uh-huh. Just like there's a nice casual Seinfeld reference yep. in everything, even uh-huh. the Oscars. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so leading into you can't what, escape it. You can't escape the Seinfeld. Um, Just like you can't escape anything from Friends. It's literally everywhere now. It's taking over the world. I wish that was the same thing for Seinfeld. Continue, Jesse. <laughs> amen and amen. Um, let's just jump right into the next ones. Whole we, other side. <laughs> you you kind of led into it a little bit. Uh, the Father, starring Anthony Hopkins. That was the next one we watched. Yes, it was. That was No Man Land, but whatever. Oh, ah, yeah, we missed No Man Land. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we're probably Nomadland. a little out of order. What Nomadland you... was like, literally, it was. It reminded me of going to your least favorite art museum exhibit. Like, hmm. it was so good artfully, and you can't hate on it for that, because it had such pretty shots. It had, like, it had a really good flow, but it was flat. Like, it was literally flat. Just like how it, at your least favorite exhibit in the art museum you can't just sit there and not appreciate it but at the same time you have to walk through and take your time look at everything watch you know look at everything just like you had to watch nomadland and say yeah i appreciate that but that was the flattest most boring i just did not like it it wasn't up and down it wasn't emotional for me it just was Hmm. how long did it take you to come up with that analogy about your least favorite artist exhibit now that's brilliant yeah like that's that's really well put um so yeah nomadland i think is probably visually the most yeah stunning out of all of them like it's very yeah. very pretty part of partially because um they shot in like 13 different states yeah was it like out west yeah they, they yeah. spent a lot of time out west idaho they spent like south dakota yeah even some in the Midwest, yeehaw. But um, they took, I mean, it was very, very pretty art movie. Um, I just felt like it, like there was constantly something that was going to happen, and it never did, and it just kind of let me down, I guess. I think it's the kind of movie that I'm really glad I saw it once, but yeah. I don't think I'm going to put it on again. Yeah, no. I mean, it was really pretty, and it was really beautiful, and Sarah and I discussed it immediately after watching it. And I kind of changed her mind a little bit about it not just being a bad movie. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm rating this like a 3 out of 10. And then I was like, okay, let me take a step back. The story is kind of subliminal. It's not in your face about what it's about. No, it's like literally just, it's kinda, it is what it is. Yeah, it's kind of like Slice of Life almost, where you're just kind of taking yeah. the life of this this character. which just Basically just a traveler who does what she wants to do in life, and that's basically it. Yeah, I mean, and Frances McDormand was really, but there's really just, great. But there's no story. There's no plot. It's just shots of this traveler yeah, making I mean, a life for herself. It's it, it was a really pretty, beautiful art film, but it's probably one of the least rewatchable on this list. Yeah. One of Except them. Except I'm not going to go back to that one art exhibit because I've seen it already, and I don't really care about it. Yeah, so Frances McDormand won for Best Actress in a Leading Role. I was a little upset about that just because I loved the other nominees. That's that's absolutely fair. Um, I really liked some other nominees. It won for Best Director, Chloe Zhao. I mean, you got to give it that. I think I got to yeah. agree with it. Like With what the story was about and, and on the location, a bad director would have made a really 
It wouldn't have gotten an Oscar. So, like, yeah. The, the directing was really fantastic. And uh, spoiler alert, it won Best Picture, which, again, art film usually gets rewarded by the Academy in those kind of situations. Yeah, that um, was annoying because I didn't think it was Best Picture. We will get to that, I promise. Yeah. We, we will get to what we think should have won. Wait, did it – what won – what else did it win? It won something else more. It was yeah. something on the technical side. but Okay. Um, I mean, it was a really good movie, but not very rewatchable. In my opinion. Um, So, sorry, let's. We buried the lead again. The Father, starring Anthony Hopkins, Olivia Coleman. Oh my word, that was a fantastic movie. That one was the second of the Oscar nominations that made me Mm -hmm. cry. Yeah. Um, Minari and The Father. It is a a story about a man with dementia. And at first, I thought it was going to be a story told about a man with dementia from the daughter's point of view. Um, but very quickly we realized that this is being told from the father's point of view. And so it's just very confusing because it puts you in inside his own head and the confusion of getting people mixed up, getting places mixed up. And it's... Honestly, as a nurse, it touched me because it made me feel like more... I mean, I was I was already very compassionate just by being in the career and wanting to be a nurse, but like... Because, I mean, you kind of have to be. But it just kind of made you, like, empathetic because it took you into that world where you could have never really comprehended that without watching it. Oh, absolutely. It It was great. And what made me cry was thinking about my own grandparents. I've, I've had... Granny mama. Yeah, I've had yeah. great grandparents in my family that have had dementia. So the odds of my grandparents having it just automatically becomes higher and how heartbreaking it would be to, yeah, to be around them and to interact with them in a place where they don't recognize you. They don't know where they are. Like some of them don't even know their name. Yeah, thinking about my grandfather in that situation yeah. just absolutely wrecks me. So. And just the strain that it also kind of like, it lets you see a little bit about from the daughter's perspective. I mean, it was definitely mainly from the father, but yeah. it lets you see a little bit from also spoiler, but it also lets you see like her struggle and strain, like just because she loves him so much and wants what's best for him. But with the confusion and him almost getting like violent and saying things that she knows he doesn't mean like it took you into the caregiving role, like strain and stress of, having to deal with that and it definitely um made you more sympathetic to that too because sometimes we're so quick to judge on um caregiving strain and stress and we're like well they need to be you know better taken care of and that's ridiculous and you just don't really I don't know just I thought it was a masterpiece because it's not really talked about much less in films yeah it was it was brilliant Anthony Hopkins um was fantastic. It was basically a series of monologues from Anthony Hopkins' point of view. Just, It's kind of funny because he is so much older than you would even think that he is. He's in his 80s, right? I he's mean, like 84. Yeah, I mean, you know he's old, but he's not. You're like, oh, he's not that old. Uh, you completely bought the fact 80s. that he didn't know who he was 
or where he was, and he didn't recognize Yeah, people. that was a really like, selling point, because you're like, this man is old enough to... Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. fantastic. I mean, he absolutely deserved Best Actor. I mean, it was... It was such an artful... So like, good. Yeah, so good. Um, and it definitely made you more aware to that. Absolutely. Oh, and like, yeah, just anyway, I already touched on that. Yeah, and, and the last of them, kind of bringing up the rear... Uh, was The Trial of the Chicago 7, uh, which is a movie that was much better than I had ever anticipated it being because it went, it got released straight on Netflix, which made me think that it was a Netflix original, which made me think that it was going to be hot garbage. Yeah, honestly, just the fact that it was a Netflix original, I was like, oh, it's, it's trash. Like, I'm not watching it only because it had the words Netflix original on it. But just because we've gotten burnt so many times with Netflix originals. What you know? we learned as soon as we started it, was that Netflix was just the distributor. Yeah. DreamWorks made the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that we kind of forget. But yeah. I, that one was surprisingly good. Aaron Sorkin yeah, directed that one was pretty good. and wrote it, and it was it's very, very fast-paced. And they kind of tell the story somewhat non-linearly. Where yeah. You, the trial you see linearly, but then they kind of vaguely flash back to, yeah. the, tri- to the actual riot that the trial was about. And again, it kind of had that same like era of like I was really nervous to watch it. It deliberately was the last on our list because number one, I was scared because I thought it would be a flop because of the Netflix original, and because kind of going into the Judas and the Black Messiah, I thought it would be a strong, strong political message. But it honestly was. I mean, it it was, but it it was. It was a story about the trial, not about police brutality. I That's honestly I think it was, it was. I honestly think it's both, but you know it. It was the story, like it literally, it really did happen. Yeah, what I found neat about it, just was, like how Judas and the Black Messiah, like that really did happen. Sure. What I found neat about that one was, it kind of planted seeds of doubt in your mind about, well, did they actually start it? Did they not? And yeah, it, it, it kept you on the it. ropes throughout the whole movie, which I think made it really great. Um, Again, it was really good. I think that's the only one of the Best Picture nominations that didn't win an Oscar for anything. Really? Yeah. It didn't win any of the technical stuff. Sasha Baron Cohen didn't win for... Wow. I didn't realize that. I didn't didn't, realize that. It's the only of the Best Pictures that didn't win uh, an award for anything. I didn't realize that. That's Um, sad. Which I, I, I think that that's not necessarily... Uh, indicative of anything, but... Wait, song. No, that went to Judas and the Black Messiah. Mm, okay. So, um, so let's just kind of go, what is... Let's rank these from... Best picture? Yes, from bottom okay. to top. What is... How would you rank these? What is the number seven on the um, best picture? Easy, Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman. I'll give you that. Um, number six. Not that Mank was a bad movie, but it had to be number six for me, at least. Okay. Uh, what would you say? Actually, no. No Madeline was six, just no because six. I personally was not very interested in it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but do we have to agree on this, or are you asking no, like this my is, this seven? No, this is you all alone. I'll give you mine after this. Okay, so... Um, number five. Mank. Mank. Okay, number four. Probably Trial of the Chicago 7. Okay. Trial of the Chicago 7. Number... Like, like I said, like all these movies were good. Like I didn't think any of them were stinkers. Uh, I think Promising Young Woman was a stinker. That's my opinion. 
but yeah, like I would never rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, number three between Minari, Judas, and the Black Wait, Messiah. You skipped one. Father. No. Oh yeah, sorry. Number four. Yeah, there's eight of them, babe. There's eight. I've and been saying eight. four this whole time. Oh, good grief. Okay. So number eight, you yeah, said... Yeah, I was like, I know my top woman. three, and there's four movies yep, left. Yep, so, okay, start over. You can just edit this out. Uh, number... No, we're just going to leave it. I no, you just say, hey, what are your favorite seven? And I'll say... Or eight, sorry. What are your favorite eight? And then I'll rank them. I don't edit this podcast. Jesse, there are some spots in here that you drastically need to edit and cut that out, which I will show you later, but continue on. Oh, see, listen to this. We have a producer <laughs> on the show now. How about that? Producer slash editor slash boss. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. You said number eight, Promising Young Woman. Number seven, yep. Nomadland. Number six, you Mank. said Mank. Uh-huh. Number five. Trial of the Chicago 7. Trial of the Chicago 7. Number four. Judas and the Black Messiah. Number three. Mm, I know what my top three are. It's just really hard to pick. Well, you now know what my top three are. Yeah. You just don't know what order. Number three. Mm, probably, mm, probably Sound of Metal. Sound of Metal? Mm-hmm. And what I is really your like pick? Sound of Metal. What is your number one for Best Picture? Probably The Father, only because I'm touched by that personally in the workplace. Okay. So The Father and wins. Just... Minari takes second. Yep. All right. Because I can't. I honestly can't relate to Minari on a personal level, but I recognize how great of a movie it was. And then Sound of Metal is the same way. But which of yours? Which of these was your favorite? So yeah, you the, think, father. the Father, the so, no, Father, Minari. So you, no, so you think the Sound Father should have won? But is that your favorite of them? Just outright, which one my, do you like? My all-time favorite is probably Minari. See, that's yeah. There's a difference yeah. between what you think should have won and yeah. what your favorite is. Mm-hmm. So speaking for myself. Uh, my least favorite. I really did like Sound of Metal, though. It was yeah. hard. Yeah. I, Those I, are definitely my top three, though. Sure. And I will not budge on that. Sure. Um, at the bottom, Promising Young Woman. It's still, <laughs> yeah. don't watch it. I, oh, who would have thought? Jesse's number eight. Yeah, I don't really care for it. It wasn't that good. Um, number seven, I would say probably Trial of the Chicago 7. Really? Yeah, I think wow. that it lacked... Some stuff that I really had wanted out of it. Like, I I wanted more out of Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. And that's not Yeah, I thought fault. that he would it, honestly get more screen time, but yeah. he didn't. I mean, it was great. I think the writing was good, but, I mean, not my favorite of them. I think I ranked them, like, five. Um, you know, I would I say... seven? Man. Number six probably goes to Mank, which, again, I've not seen Citizen Kane, so it's I think that would have helped us. Maybe, I guess. I don't know. Number five, I'm probably going to give to Judas and the Black Messiah. You liked Nomadland that much? I like Nomadland better than Judas and the Black Messiah. I think Nomadland gives number four for me. No, no. Yeah, yeah, Nomadland gets four. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah was five for Yes. I think the father takes three. Uh... Sound of Metal is probably my favorite out of all of mm-hmm. them. Absolutely. I think Minari takes second. Um, I think Sound of Metal is the most rewatchable. It is my favorite. Um, I didn't think Minari would win because they picked a Korean movie last year. Yeah. Um, whatever. 
I think they were all very good. I, I enjoyed them a lot. I enjoyed getting to sit down and watch the Best Picture nominations. Um, so I do think Sound of Metal is the most rewatchable, but... That's good, because I bought it on Amazon, on DVD, for us to have forever and ever. I'm glad you didn't tell me that until now. I, I didn't, actually, but I wanted to see what you'd say. I'm okay with it. <laughs> you do you, baby. Ha ha ha. Okay, so. We're going to keep, like I said, I'm not editing anything. We're just going to post it as it is. I will edit it myself. Sarah doesn't know how to edit a podcast. Yes, I do. I took an AV class in high school, duty. Ooh, she got me good. Okay. So those were our thoughts on the Best Picture nominations. Do you have anything else you want to say about the Oscars, about the ceremony, awards, anything like that? Mm. Mm. If you want to, we can talk about how you got into movies and stuff. No, I don't think we need to go in that now. That's right. It's kind of redundant throughout your whole shows. Yeah, I talk about movies a lot. You do. In fact, there's a new podcast format that I'd, I'd like to give a try. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, can we talk about the songs? Sure, or song not songs. songs. Um, animation. How you really wanted Otto oh, to win? Oh yeah, yeah, that's when we did. I felt cover. like you needed to talk about that. Yeah. So, best animated feature, the Oscar went to Soul, which um, you've heard my thoughts about Soul. I posted an episode about it. It was just uh, back when I right, watched. What's it. the right word for that movie? Uh, that depends, because I think we have slightly varying opinions on it. It wasn't. So you know how macabre is like strange and kind of scary? Yeah. I don't think it was macabre. I think it was, there's a word out there to describe what I think Twilight was. Zoney? It was just a little, it was like too weird and like sure. strange for a kid's movie, you know? Sure. That's what I thought at least. Like I don't think that's a movie for kids. No, I don't think it's a movie for kids at all. I did not think that for a second. Um, like I would not feel comfortable taking, for example, Jesse's little brother Ben was in town this weekend. I would not have been like, yo, Ben, let's go see Soul. Like, I feel like there would have been a lot of questions coming out of that movie theater that me and Jesse had no idea how to answer. Yeah. So I, I feel very strongly about the movie Onward. <laughs> Jesse's like. <laughs> it, it's one of the movies that makes me cry the most. Um, it, they, you know, just when they announce the movies, they show like a, a clip. 10 minute clip. Yeah. Ten, like, not, not 10, 10 seconds. 10, yeah, second 10 second clip. And it's the one clip that made Jesse cry the most. I about started bawling just at the 10 second clip of the movie. It should have won. Um, Yeah, Soul is. Especially from Big Brother Bear over here. Well, yeah, Soul's the Pixar movie that is, what's the meaning of life? And onwards, the Pixar movie that's like family. Um, And. Now, Soul did. um, I did like that Soul won. what was it? Score. score? Yeah. I, I thought mean, the score was great like because it was jazz music, which is awesome. It's better than Coco. Oh, I love Coco. Don't dog on Coco. Oh, I'm just doing it to get, to get a Jeremy. I love Coco, Jeremy. I'm on your side. Do you have any other thoughts about the Oscars? Um, I guess I kind of wanted to talk about also um, the aspects that COVID disrupted in it. Sure. About how... Um, Anyway, there were a lot less people at the Oscars than, you know, what everybody's used to. It usually is, like, cram-packed full of people, like, in this huge theater. and Or what is it? Like, the theater? Dolby Theater. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
it was kind of a bummer, not gonna lie, not seeing, like, tons of people, and the camera was, camera work was kind of weird, when there would be, like, multiple people that won an award, they'd have to, like, jump across, like, and usually it was, like, pretty seamless. Like, I think it was kind of neat that the camera guy was walking around, instead of just, like, yeah. spotlight and picking up. Yeah, but out. since it was, like, little half-moon seats, like, where four people sat at once, it was just, like, kind of weird the way that they had to like jump to people and like a lot of people like didn't even know the camera was on them and it'd just be like the side of their face and you're like okay look at the camera you know like it was just kind of weird well i liked it you sound like rachel right now <laughs> little side note rachel makes up her mind on what she likes before she even tries it like most kids her age what does that have to do with me i saw it and i liked it well sarah thanks for coming on the show <laughs> are you regretting it now I'm starting to. No, you're smiling. You love me. No, thanks for coming on. Thanks for talking. Thank you. Hopefully my voice doesn't sound like a little boy on here. No, I don't think you sound like a little boy. Thank um, you. Thank you for sitting and watching <laughs> these movies with me and for watching the Oscars with No, thank you for watching the movies with me. Yeah, that's more than things. <laughs> I will watch movies without Sarah all day long. I have to, like, ask, do you want to see this before I sit down and watch it? Otherwise, we miss stuff. So... Thank you for coming on. Thanks for watching the Oscars with me. It's been a pleasure. Love you, boob. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's staying in. I will edit stuff, but that's staying in. (laughs) Love you, you bear. That's what I meant to say. I don't know why I said that. All right. In some some housekeeping things. Why do you... Okay, I actually didn't want to ask you why you say that. Housekeeping reminds me of, like, cleaning and, like, (laughs) stuff like that. Why do people say that? I don't know the etymology of that word. Yeah, you know? Why do people say that? I think it's it's a metaphor. This podcast mm-hmm. is a house, and so we're going to just go over some things that are podcast-related. Okay. Um, like I mentioned, I have a, a podcast format that I'd like to, to give a whirl. Um, I'm talking with Matt a little bit. Hopefully I can get him on the horn and we can give that a test run. I know, that's why I've been doing it by myself. All year. Matt. Because Matt. Doing a podcast with Jesse How Like, I could never imagine that. I might. I'll, I'll give it a whirl with Sarah and <laughs> some more of my other friends. It should be a fun time. I'm glad you're trusting me to come back on the air again. We'll see how the reviews go. If, if this just skyrockets, you might be on every week. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> um, Call your boob again. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Um, I think that's about it. So... I love my husband, and thank you for supporting him. I listen to his podcast on the way to work and on the way back, and it makes me miss him less. So thanks for listening. It means a lot to me. I started tearing up. That's right. Thank you guys for listening. Um, You guys know how the end of the show goes. Do you want to say it? No, I really don't like how you're cheesy at the end. Oh, I like being cheesy at the end. (laughs) Okay, you go for it. If you love the show, share it with someone you love. If you hate it, share it with someone you hate. Copied straight from another man, not original at all. Uh, I made that up. Thank you very much. (laughs) And until next week.